Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. That's to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm every year's Alan Nathan, the Militant Moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturdays, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you and of course with great dispatch and alacrity we love to thank our distributor the salem radio network that's right the alan nathan show is entering its 25th year of national syndication all thanks to you reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week again all thanks to you and by the way I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right please get out of the thought control business our topics du jour, as you may have heard, well, Democrats panic over a thunderously critical ABC Washington Post poll showing that Americans widely believe that Donald Trump did a much better job of the economy than has Biden. And they also believe Biden is not mentally or physically fit for the job, and they wind up handing him a lousy 36% approval rating. What's next on that horizon? I'll tell you what, let's have a listen to what some of these uh, folks are sharing in the way of consternation. Uh, why don't we drop by ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Uh, he thinks this new poll is absolutely brutal. Clip one, James, if you please. This poll is just brutal for President Biden. Absolutely, George. And you talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. Only 36 percent of Democrats think that their party should nominate Joe Biden for a second term. Fifty eight percent say they would uh, support someone else or prefer someone else. That's despite the fact that the entire DNC, most of the Democratic establishment, has rallied behind President Biden. And you're seeing real weaknesses in the coalition that powered Joe Biden to the presidency back in, in 2020. Biden carried independence by 13 points against Donald Trump. He is now trailing Trump by nine points among those same voters. He carried black voters by 75 points in 2020. Now he is up just 35. That may sound like a lot, but the fact of the matter is, in, in modern politics, that is not the kind of number that a Democrat needs to be victorious. And then, of course, that, that does spill over into the head-to-head -head matchup, the hypothetical rematch, Trump versus Biden. Right now, a seven-point edge in our poll from uh, in Trump leading Biden. Again, that exchange between George Stephanopoulos, uh, anchor host of ABC's This Week, uh, with guest uh, ABC's Rick Klein, agreeing with the concerns expressed by George. Uh, my God, they're so filled with woe. I mean, you know, they're about to have the vapors. I'm sure they're going to drain our nation's supply of smelling salts in the not-too-far-distant future. Um, he talks about the drop in support with blacks as well as Hispanics and in independents. Uh, Trump, on the other hand, you know, during his term in office, uh, he went from having an 8% support of blacks to 12%. So when he went out, he was already on the increase. Well, since he's been out of office, his support has jumped from 12 to 27%. Again, according to the same poll, this ABC Washington Post poll. I'm not just pulling figures out of my head. These things are actually happening. And Donna Brazil, the disgraced former chair of the DNC, uh, she couldn't sleep. I mean, she just couldn't sleep at all when these polls came out. Let's share that revelation uh, with everybody. Uh, clip five, James, if you please. George, I was told I could not send the poll around to after 12 midnight. I sent it out at 12.02 <laughs> because it kept me up, and I thought they should wake up and look at those numbers. You know what's 
sobered that the coalition that elected Joe Biden with the historic numbers that we saw in 2020, that coalition right now is fragmented. That should concern them. The second thing that should concern them, of course, is that they, they, they are still unable to get a real good, strong message to the American people, not just on their accomplishments, but where they want to take the country. <laughs> this is how, how delusional can you be? Donna Brazil said she lost sleep over the poll and then says the Democrats need to better message their accomplishments. Now, think about it. If Democrats continue defining as accomplishments that which voters are seeing as failures, as per this poll, won't that just continue their drop in the polls? How does that reverse the trend? Why is there such a disconnect between the problem and their proposed solution for it? I was wondering this earlier. I mean, are are these folks functionally illiterate? Are they delusional? Or are they so bad faith in their denial that they'd rather hold on to the lie so as to look maybe oblivious and therefore be less humiliated? Well, I'm just out to lunch. That can't be, that won't look as bad as me knowingly communicating a falsehood. I'll just look as if I'm too stupid to understand. I mean, where's the, where's the exit door for this? How can they detour this discussion onto some legitimate self-indulgent road of escapism? You know, how can they flee in a way that's convincing? You can think about it. When Biden announced that he was going to be running for re-election, Gallup, last month, put out a poll showing that about 75% of the country said the economy was getting worse. Right track, wrong track, oh please. In the right track, wrong track, 74% said it was going in the wrong direction. Separate from the 75% that say the economy is getting worse. Obviously, they're tied together. But now, with this latest ABC Washington Post poll, folks who have a vested interest in getting as much good news out to the Democrats as they could, says that Trump, the respondents to their poll says that Trump did a better job with the economy than has Biden. And they also say that Biden is neither mentally or physically fit for the job. Now, assuming that the politicized Biden Department of Justice does not put Trump in jail to keep him out of the Oval Office, it would seem to be Trump's race to lose, right? He's a shoo-in, especially if he has uh, Ron DeSantis on the ticket with him out of Florida. Now, when I say that Americans believe that Trump did a better job with our our economy. I mean, they gave Trump 54% approval over Biden's anemic 36. I want to emphasize that for you. They say Trump, with a 54% approval rating, did a better job with the economy than did Biden, whose backing they only give 36%. 54% to Trump, 36% to Biden, when the question is, who do you approve more when it came to their respective handling of the economy? My question is, what schmucks make up that 36%? Are there support groups to help with their instability? (laughs) Give me a break. Also, just before the pandemic in January of 2020, we should note this, there was a Fox poll that showed that just 55% rated the economy positively. That's not bad. 55% rated the economy positively. I thought it should have been more because it was really soaring at the time. But, hey, 55%. Rated the the economy positively just before the pandemic. Last month, Fox actually not only found that 78% say the economy is in a pathetic shape, but they also believe that the White House is helping. Fox finds that 78% believe that the economy is pathetic. But adding insult to injury, they also believe that, quote-unquote, the White House is helping. The words of the polling. In other words, the Biden administration is not merely failing to help. It's helping to fail. So you got to wonder, what maneuvers do we see coming from the Democrats over this? How can they resurrect that? ABC Stephanopoulos, of course, commented that, quote-unquote, this poll is just brutal for the president. He was especially incredulous that it additionally showed Trump beating Biden by 49 to 42%, again, well beyond the margin of error. Now, 
it's clearly still early in the contest, folks. We understand that. However, the numbers have been not only consistently trending down for Biden, they've been doing it pretty quickly. So you got to wonder, do these developing difficulties for Biden make it, again, that much harder for the DOJ and FBI to claim neutrality in their investigations of Trump? I ask only because everything they're doing can only look more and more like they're putting their thumb on the scale against the will of the electorate. This is astonishing development. Anyway, more on this upon our return. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. Spring is here. Time to get out of the gym and take your workout outdoors. Whether you're walking, running, swimming, or biking, it's important to have a proper warm-up routine to prevent injuries. Five-time Ironman triathlon world champion Craig Crowey-Alexander has some advice. Sprains, strains, and injuries can happen to any athlete. Even a minor injury can affect your performance and derail your fitness routine. One of the best ways to try and prevent injuries is to make sure you prepare properly. Alexander recommends always starting with a 10 to 15 minute dynamic warm-up. Activation exercises combined with some dynamic movements like lunges are great for warming up. Focus on one specific movement at a time until you feel ready to go. Be sure to listen to your body and use proper support gear when needed to protect yourself and prevent injury. The Curad Performance Series Ironman lineup includes rugged supports, wraps, kinesiology tape, bandages, and analgesics to support you on your fitness journey. For more, go to curad.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Delighted you could be with us. Covering a number of things here, but I don't want to go a little off the beaten path right now. Um, talk about uh, one of the perhaps contributing reasons as to why Biden's poll numbers are dropping so precipitously are his, his policies. I mean, they already said that uh, this ABC Washington Post poll already said that Trump did a better job with the economy than has Biden. Well, uh, perhaps because of some of the dumbass decisions he's made, uh, authoritarian in nature and problematic in practice, um, everything from trying to ban, um, you know, light bulbs that uh, he doesn't like to gas stoves that he prefers not to have, uh, predicating, um, you know, the, the decision to try to discontinue gas stoves on some pretty faulty grounds. Uh, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing Kennerly Davis, conservative commentator, former deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia. is also author of the highly praised work entitled Revolution, a call to turn back the lawless left and restore the promise of America. Kennerly, good to have you on board. How are you today? Uh, great to be back and uh, glad to have a chance to talk about this, um, this important uh, subject, Biden and Hochul's gas ban. Right. I mean, Chuck Schumer was uh, chastising people, saying nobody wants to take away your gas stoves. And then, boom, New York starts doing just that. Isn't that what happened? Well, uh, to borrow a phrase, uh, the left-wing radicals, the left-wing regressives are are masters at uh, gaslighting. Um, Anybody who questions uh, their policy proposals, anybody who rightly calls out the radical nature of the proposals saying uh, you're an extremist. I think in the case of uh, Senator Schumer, when people expressed alarm about um, the possibility of a national ban on gas stoves, a possibility that had been raised by Biden's Consumer Product Safety Commission, uh, he dismissed it, um, saying uh, that they were just a a, a bunch of uh, shameless and desperate MAGA Republicans. Well, lo and behold, as uh, you in New York know, uh, the radicals in Albany who completely control the state government have uh, passed a budget that includes a statewide ban on the use of natural gas and other fossil fuels in most new construction beginning in 1925. Well, see, that's what they'll do, especially at the national level. They'll look at an argument that they were passionately waging, see that they're losing it, and then upon realizing that they're losing it, they'll then say, well, uh, it was all overblown anyway, and it wasn't really an issue to begin with. So any issue that they're losing the argument on is one they subsequently want to claim was no big deal all along because they refuse to ever take accountability for what they did wrong. Uh, What they did in that regard is also what they did with, uh, uh, you know, trans, uh, trans females, um, entering into uh, sports uh, against naturally born women, you know, a lot of the, most of the country is against trans males uh, going up against naturally born females in competitive sports. They've been losing that argument, and despite having passionately defended the idea up till that point, once they realized they were losing the argument, now they're trying to characterize it as a non-issue. That's being overblown by mega Republicans. But the gas stove thing, you, you, you're you onto something here because what they're doing is they're using a strategy of shaming to bend people to their will. In this case, they just want to harm the fossil fuel industry. Woke zealots, my God, they'll undermine the primary moral measure of our right to choose our own individual paths. How? By conjuring these secondary measures of allegedly higher morals. Why? in order to leverage the replacement of that primary one. In other words, we must relinquish our priorities in favor of theirs or we're bad people. And that's exactly what happened with the gas stove issue. You know, th- I, this is an example where they told us that we should give up our gas stoves because they claim that approximately 12.7% of children have supposedly contracted asthma from them. You remember that, right? And the assertion is based on this bizarre study from the unapologetically left-wing think tank energy organization known as the Rocky Mountain Institute, also called RMI. But critics who are a little wiser are pointing out that this study ignored the findings of really the most comprehensive worldwide report on this issue to date, and that was from the International Study of Asthma and Allergies in Children, or Allergies in Childhood, I think it is, also known as Isaac, if memory serves. And that report showed 
from data over 512,000 kids out of 47 nations that there's no connection between gas stoves and asthma. As a matter of fact, hold on, I got the quotation right here. Here it is. They concluded that there was, quote, no evidence of an association between the use of gas as a cooking fuel and either asthma symptoms or asthma diagnosis, unquote. And yet, as you point out, we were all gaslit over this issue, and New York has pulled it, but I don't think they're going to get away with it most of the other states. What say you, sir? Well, I don't think they're going to get away with this particular step of banning uh, uh, gas uh, connections after 2025. I don't think they're going to get away with it uh, in New York because it's clearly illegal for them to have done this, illegal under a federal law that preempts this type of local and state regulation of natural gas. I mean, look, back in 2019, Berkeley, California, did the same thing, banned all future natural gas connections in the city, and the Restaurant Association sued, and uh, just recently, a, um, an appeals court out west, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, um, found the Berkeley action to be unlawful because it was preempted. This type of regulation is exclusively a federal responsibility under, in this case, the Energy Policy and Conservation Act, um, which explicitly prohibits states and localities from regulating, and I'm quoting now, energy efficiency or energy use once a federal energy conservation standard becomes effective for the covered product. And so if uh, somebody sues, the, um, the, the recent buzz on, on the recent budget uh, provision, um, they will prevail. But it'll take a while. And the bad news is it's only one part of a broader continuing um, state, in the case of New York, state and federal assault on the use um, of fossil fuels of all types. Yeah, and, see, that's, that's the problem I'm having with this, because we have to look at the equilibrium of justice. What happens when the courts uh, can't keep pace with the bad faith maneuvers, uh, which, because of the time it takes to bat them down, allows for bad faith operators in government to bind people to these bogus laws uh, 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 until they are discontinued by the courts. I mean, what happens when oh, the bad a, faith folks a, outpaces the court's ability to correct them? And that's a fundamentally important point for all of your listeners to understand. Um, that's exactly right. Throw it against the wall, see if it sticks, and if it takes... Um, one year, two years to get it knocked down, then um, they've done mischief in that time. It's, it's very irresponsible way to govern, but that's the way they govern. Well, there has to be a remedy in place by law that subjects state governments to punitive action when things like that happen. And individual bad actors have got to be relieved of their their immunity when these things are discovered. There's a crime fraud exception to everything that should be in this regard as well. You're listening to the Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common. But after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold.
Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, sponsored by Coca Cola. You know that feeling, like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out. Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools. Suddenly, everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills, skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries, from healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more, so you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure,、um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes.、Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt, and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean, and there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just. Too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see: glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. George, I was told I could not send the poll around to after 12 midnight. I sent it out at 12:02 <laughs> because it kept me up, and I thought they should wake up and look at those numbers. You know what's sobering? That the coalition that elected Joe Biden, with the historic numbers that we saw in 2020, that coalition right now is fragmented. That should concern them. The second thing that should concern them, of course, is that they 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 are still unable to get. A real good, strong message to the American people—not just on the accomplishments, but where they want to take the country. Take the country. Oh, <laughs> it's just too funny. Absolutely too hilarious, is it not? That was Donna Brazil, former DNC chairwoman, saying she stayed up all night after the、um, 
ABC Washington polls came out showing pretty bad numbers for Biden. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. We have assisting in the opining and analyzing um, none other than uh, Kennerly Davis, conservative commentator, former deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia. He's also author of the highly praised work entitled Revolution, a call to turn back the lawless left and restore the promise of America. Kennerly, appreciate you sticking around. Thank you so much. Kennerly, you, you with us? have the opportunity. No, glad to have you. Glad to have you. Now, again, you, you got the, this latest ABC Washington Post poll says that Trump did better with our economy than has Biden. And that this president is neither mentally or physically fit for the job. They also gave Trump a 54% approval rating over Biden's 36% backing. And again, you hear from this former Democrat National Committee chair, Donna Brazil, saying she lost sleep over the poll. And she also claims that Democrats need to better message their accomplishments. But I'm curious, if Democrats continue defining as accomplishments... That which these voters see as failures, won't that just continue their dissent in the polls versus reversing them? Kennerly. Yes, it's not a question of messaging. You know, when somebody's got, uh, when a political uh, uh, person, a party, has a bad policy, a bad uh, substance position on thing, they try to explain it away by saying, well, we need to uh, communicate better, need to message better. No, no. I mean, the the poll numbers are what they are because it's obvious the destruction, disruption uh, that um, that uh, Biden and his uh, radical left-wing uh, advisors and pilot fish have done uh, so quickly. Uh, to the economy and society of the country, including, of course, with their disastrous, corrupt, cynically corrupt energy policy. You know, they call it the Green New Deal, but the green in their New Deal is for the subsidies and tax credits and government grants that flow to the owners and investors in non-viable technologies that could not stand a market test, could not be accepted on any objective criteria as dependable, reliable economic technology or equipment or processes, and they just get the money shoveled at it because those owners and investors and backers are dependable supporters of any politician, in this case, the national left-wing regressives surrounding Biden, who uh, advance the policies. I mean, it's a pretty simple, you know, you give me money and I will give you political support. Yeah, vote, vote for me, vote for me and I'll give you more out of the Treasury than the other guy. Um, I think that's fallen by the wayside as a viable option. Um, but, as, you know, when it comes to the uh, their, their war against fossil fuels and their great push for the electric vehicles, the reality is the majority of electricity generated and produced in this country are courtesy of fossil fuels anyway. 38% come from, um, I, I believe it's uh, natural gas. 20-something percent comes from coal. Um one percent comes from petroleum, but twenty percent or so comes from from nuclear. So, eighty percent of what provides our electricity come from sources that the left hate. Only twenty percent comes from renewable fuels. So it seems to me there's a disconnect in in, in what they claim we're going to get out of this versus the reality. Oh. Or, or am I missing something? No, no, it's a huge disconnect. It's on you know. <laughs> They love to throw the word sustainable around, but it is an unsustainable policy program. I mean, and New York, the um, the folks in Albany are doing their, uh, their bit to contribute. In 2019, um, the state passed something called the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Plan. I love these. I love these feel-good titles, but it 
It committed the state of New York to a zero emissions electricity uh, by 2040. That is, by 2040, all the electricity that's consumed in New York State is going to come from wind, solar, or hydro. Um, I don't think nuclear is currently in there. You know, they have uh, done their best to retire and push out of service uh, nuclear. See, that therein lies, I think, proof of the difference between the environmentalists in Europe versus those here. Because in Europe, they've embraced nuclear power because, I mean, of all options out there, it's it's clearly the cleanest you got. I think Paris has the vast majority of its uh, electricity derived from nuclear power. And yet, for some reason, the environmentalists here are not getting the message. The environmentalists have it in Europe. They support it. But not over here. Why the difference, you think? Well, uh, they do support it in Europe. Most recently, I think uh, in the United Kingdom, uh, just took a policy step that um, uh, moved nuclear power from, um, uh, you know, a disapproved category uh, and reclassed nuclear power as renewable. Um, but not here because I think there's so much uh, so much self-dealing and cynically corrupt investment in certain fields, nuclear and, and, um, and uh, wind power, that that prevents uh, a realistic, pragmatic embrace of what really would work. Also, there's a, this big uh, kind of line of thought in the radical environmentalist movement that what we're really about is simply to reduce power consumption of all kinds and reduce consumption and reduce population. There was a um, an article in the most recent edition of Scientific American by an environmentalist um, praising the depopulation movement. Yeah, and, yeah, Bill Gates is behind that. They're behind that. Um... And you know, because see, this is where I'm glad we're having I'm glad we're having this conversation because we got to wake up and see the difference between the legitimate versus the illegitimate environmentalists. I think the legitimate ones, they just don't want us to blindly side with economic growth at the cost of of, of harming the planet, and, and and they just want us to maybe find a balance. But the illegitimate ones, see, they they camouflage a socialist agenda behind the cause of environmentalism, and they do it in order to reduce individual prosperity and therefore weaken the resistance to socialism. I mean, let, let, let's face it, the more socialists are confronted by a financially self-reliant population, well, guess what? The less attractive becomes uh, their proposal for citizens to surrender independence in exchange for any state's authoritarian protection. Where am I mistaken? No, no, that's, that's, that's right, because even in the title of the 2019 legislation passed in Albany, Climate Leadership and Community Protection Plan. So we're going to disrupt the economic prosperity created by established proven technologies, fossil and nuclear. But, yes, there will be adverse impacts on communities, but we'll also, therefore, promise to dole out relief money after um, after our policies create the disruption, so um, no, no, and 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 it's all it's all part of the long term push to centralized control and a socialization of the economy and society. Yeah, they just want to go ahead and um, manufacture grounds for arguments they can't otherwise muster. Um, go ahead and use if you will, labels in lieu of arguments they can't otherwise satisfy and uh, gain power through that methodology. But I think, again, especially if this poll is any indicator, they're losing that battle. Um, sophistry is being exposed. Kennerly Davis, thanks for dropping by. Again, conservative commentator, former deputy attorney general for the Commonwealth of Virginia, once again author of the highly praised work entitled Revolution, A Call to Turn Back the Lawless Left and Restore the Promise of America. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. 
The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you wanna support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. 
Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. If you're Alan Nathan, the Militant Moderate, once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. You know, I, I'm somebody who has to read publications from the greatest spectrum imaginable because I like to give as well-rounded of, a, of an attack as I can because <laughs> that's what I am. I, I'm somebody who beats the living crap out of people. Um, I love it. Verbal gymnastics, that's my shtick, and I say it unapologetically. But if I'm going to really hold people accountable, and especially today, that's so very necessary because too often our leaders characterize accountability as somehow being more inappropriate than their shirking of it. I, one of the publications I like to drop by to see is, is Newsweek. Got some old friends of the show on that. Ellis Hennigan, liberal, he writes for them. Another old friend, Mark Davis, he writes for them as well. Another one is Ashley McGuire, and she has a phenomenal piece out with the headline, The FBI's Catholicism Memo is No Laughing Matter. Ashley McGuire is a senior fellow uh, of the Catholic Association. And um, she writes this. Hey, it's okay to be Roman Catholic, right? She's quoting. She's quoting. That was the question Congressman Jeff Van Drew, Republican out of New Jersey, posed to an FBI official in recent investigative hearings run by Congressman Jim Jordan, Republican out of Ohio. Quote, somebody answer me, please, Van Drew followed up after an awkward silence. You'll forgive him for asking, Ashley writes. The hearings ignored almost entirely, uh, the uh, hearings ignored almost entirely, save for a handful of conservative news outlets. We're looking into the leaked FBI memo alleging some kind of tie between what it called, quote-unquote, radical traditional Catholic ideology and, quote-unquote, violent extremism. The FBI is now being sued over its failure to comply with a standard FOIA request to release emails discussing its contents. The agency's recalcitrance is unsurprising, given the memo's appalling contents. Well... So offended are we as well. We decided to get Ashley on board, and we're delighted to have her with us today. Ashley, great to have you on the show. How are you today? Hey, it's great to be with you. Very quickly, it is Ashley McGuire, senior fellow at the Catholic Association. Um, her writing has appeared in outlets such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and of course, as I just mentioned, um, this fine August public publication. And... Um, you, you've written a number of pieces for Newsweek, have you not? Actually, this is my first piece for Newsweek. Oh, my God. I thought you wrote a, I thought you wrote a few for them. My, my bad. My bad entirely. But it was compelling nonetheless. You point out that in light of over 150 attacks on Catholics after last year's Roe v. Wade decision, the FBI has decided to spy on Catholics, even though all the violence is coming from those who were in opposition to the Dobbs decision versus those in support of it. Uh, fill us in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a classic example of, of what's up is down. Um, so, you know, the FBI basically tried to make it sound like some, you know, rogue agent out of the Richmond office wrote this memo saying um, we should spy on traditional Catholics because they're probably actually secretly violent extremists. Um, when, in fact, you have in the last couple of years more than 300 attacks on Catholic churches, and pregnancy resource centers, 150 of those um, since the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade was leaked. Um, so you have actual violent extremists attacking in a very concerning pattern um, Catholics in their houses of worship, and the FBI's uh, proposed response is to spy on them um, because they're the problem. And, you know, according to... Um, Congressman Jim Jordan, who's the one who's really leading the charge in looking into all of this, he has whistleblowers who've said that, no, this wasn't just some rogue agent in, you know, one office, but this memo was circulated to FBI offices all over the country and was seen and signed off on by much more senior officials. This is something that is a violation of the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause. Um, they're not allowed to unilaterally transcend the very document, that being the Constitution, from which their powers are derived and to, each, and to which each one of them uh, is subordinate. 
it strikes me that this has the makings for a colossally very expensive lawsuit for the FBI. And just as the IRS was raked over the coals in courts and sued and lost for having deliberately targeted conservative groups as it relates to nonprofits uh, and, and got the IR, you know, and, and, and had the IRS so focused on them. So the same thing could happen with the FBI. But again, because you have this qualified immunity, the bad faith actors behind it um, will get away scot-free, even though the aggregate agency itself might be held accountable. I think that's a shame. Well, and how about the First Amendment? I mean, how about discrimination on the basis of religion? I mean, the, the memo is, it's, you can find it online. Um, it's heavily redacted, but you can read the portions that are not redacted and still be absolutely shocked and horrified and know that this is just a plain and simple, egregious case of discrimination on the basis of religion. Um, you know, these, this, this memo proposed actually cultivating sources in churches, including priests, bishops, um, people who go to church, people who go to mass, and basically turning them into spies. Getting see, this is horrible. This is other people at mass. Yeah, this is this is incredibly horrific. And let's be realistic here, okay? When the FBI and other government entities censor the citizenry, as their own words prove they have in the Twitter files, and as you're also citing now, isn't tyranny being practiced? I mean, remember, if government can censor you, it can oppress you. Because it, it, it's practice of the first means you cannot oppose the second. Isn't that fair to say? Well, right. And if, I mean... I mean, think know. about it. If government can censor you, it really can oppress you. Because the practice of the first means you just cannot oppose the second. And to be candid, we've never needed a permission slip from our oppressors to resist their oppression. And this country has a long and storied history of knowing exactly what to do with tyrants. And I think we need to remind these folks that there are over 450 million guns in this country. And a comforting majority of them are not owned by the gun-controlling left. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I hope cooler heads prevail because no sane person wants a civil war. But it wouldn't be an outright civil war. It would be, it would be citizen squads with targeted goals going after the individuals hiding behind their government trappings of officialdom. I, I, I think these folks need to wake up very, very, very quickly. Because what they're doing is bringing about a potentially dangerous environment that nobody wants to see, but they will have still brought onto themselves if they don't stop. Or am I overstating anything here, Ashley? Well, I think shame on the FBI for uh, weaponizing an agency that should protect constitutional rights and using it to discriminate against people in an unconstitutional way. Shame on them. But the shame should carry consequences, and they need to be realized. Let's hope the qualified immunity goes to the wayside. Otherwise, they will not stop. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.